Hello, everyone. Welcome to Popcast on the Rocks, episode 74. We are back again after a uh, short little break. We're here to talk about pop culture things that interest us, and sometimes there's whiskey. My name is John, and I am joined, as always, by Andrea. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Good. And uh, <laughs> for our video viewers, you might see a new face. Emily, welcome to the show. Hey, I'm excited to be here. Nice. Excited to have you hey. on this momentous day. Yeah. I, I, I'm a little disappointed. No one waved. Like, uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh, well, at least all... we know we can all do it. Yes. <laughs> um, yes, that's right. We are all um, live long and prospering. If you're just listening, you didn't know what was going on there. Uh, it's Star Trek anniversary today, the day of recording this, uh, 55 years. And um, I am a Star Trek novice, but uh, I am joined by two what seem to be experts, I must say. <laughs> so, I mean, we're going we're gonna to get into it company. later. Yep. Um, anyways, um, we'll start with the guest, Emily. How's your week been? It's been great. I got to go see Shang-Chi, um, which apart from it just being fantastic to go to a movie theater and see something on the big screen was a fantastic movie that I very much enjoyed. Nice. Yeah. That's great to yes. hear. I have not uh, I have not been fortunate enough to carve out the time to go see it, but I'm very excited after uh, reported big opening money-wise and big opening, you know, critical acclaim wise so excited nice yeah i was i wasn't even gonna bother asking like if you'd seen it yet but just <laughs> like no you've got a week that's busy so you'll get there yeah yes. you'll get there um well anything else big of note in your your week emily has it been a relaxing week uh, a fun week other time for other shows or books or anything like that it's been a busy week with um with work and we're getting ready to travel so it's been just a, a little bit of a hectic week um but i did get to watch the two newest episodes of rick and morty also so that was great and then um we've been watching a new show on netflix um that seems very appropriate in the middle of a of a pandemic uh sweet tooth which is kind of a mm. you know uh, a story about Without without spoiling anything about another illness that you know plagues society. Yeah, okay. not. I mean, I don't feel like this is a spoiler, so I'm just gonna check to make sure. Is that the uh, the show that centered around the main character who's half deer? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm. I mean, it's in all, it? like the imagery, so yeah, I, a, I feel a, like that's a, not a spoiler. A kid who's a who's a deer human hybrid. Yeah. <laughs> is it and, is that new or? new yeah. for you watching it it is okay. i mean it's, it's new. newer it's, yeah yeah it's okay. not like you know just out this week or anything but it's newer mm -hmm. um and i believe it's produced by robert downey jr if i'm not mistaken yeah i think you're right mm -hmm. okay mm -hmm. well um rick and morty how were those last two episodes i i think i'm two episodes behind yet mm -hmm. two or maybe three now so i'm a little behind mm -hmm. but I liked these episodes better. I had been a little disappointed in this season and I felt like this, especially um, the, the crows episode I enjoyed. Yeah. 
Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. The crows. I don't know if we've seen there that one two, yet. There are two crows. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought the season started out really well and then sort of slumped. And that's why we're kind of a couple episodes behind, I think. Sort of been watching other things. But, but otherwise, I mean... I've remarked on here before how incredibly consistent Rick and Morty's been. So mm-hmm. I can give some grace for a few few episodes that maybe I don't as, enjoy as much or something. Mm-hmm. But um, for uh, for those that don't know, which is probably almost everyone, Emily ran a Rick and Morty D and D campaign. I did. It was us. my first D and D campaign that I that I ran, and it was um, a lot of fun to figure out. <laughs> And also helped that it came all, you know, prepared with little um, stories. So yeah. all I had to do was mix it up a little bit and replace goblins with um, Morty clones and, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> so you, like, created that then? Like, the theme that it was Rick and Morty? It, no, it, it was a Rick and Morty-themed kit, but they still put, like, goblins and orcs and, like, all the characters within oh. it were traditional monsters, which I felt like was a total lack of creativity. So I just subbed in some of the characters. Okay. Mm -hmm. Good for you. Yeah. That's, that seems really silly if that, I mean, speaking as somebody who has not seen Rick and Morty, um, I mean, I get the general like premise and and idea of the show. Um, But yeah, obviously even I know that there's not like, you know, goblins and orcs and things like that in the show. So Ashley and I definitely got into Rick and Morty because the ki- this campaign was going to happen. So I was like, okay, well, we have to understand some references and such and and power through them all. So that that worked out well. So, yeah. Nice. Um, yeah, well, we'll talk D&D some other time. Another episode we've been planning to do a D&D focused episode mm-hmm. someday. Mm-hmm. So, um, Andrea. Yes. How about you? Uh, well, we were talking a little bit before, uh, the show about how busy my week has been. Um, it's, uh, it's obviously just been a little crazy over, over at our household with, uh, unfortunate strikes of illnesses to various family members and things like that. So it's been a little crazy. Um, the, the, probably the only upside is that I've had a lot of downtime to just like cuddle in on the couch and, and catch up on some shows. Um, either that I started watching or that I, you know, tried new. Um, so I finished, uh, the last time we were on the podcast, we talked about Kingdom. So I finished season two of Kingdom and the, uh, the kind of spinoff episode standalone half movie, whatever you want to call it, Ashen of the North. Oh, you got to. Okay. Yep. Yep. So that, that was good. I have a feeling we'll be talking about that in a future episode. Um, and then I continued watching Haikyuu, which is the, the volleyball, uh, Mm, centered anime that I've been watching. And I think is really fun for my first sports anime. It's probably like one of the only sports I'd be interested in anyway. Um, so it was a good, a good one to pick for, for my first introduction to sports anime. Um, but then I tried a couple of new things. Um, I watched an episode on Netflix of the movies that made us and it's really fun. So they just take like a little over an hour per episode, focus on kind of like a huge, um, you know, like pop culture touchstone, um, 
like the first episode was Dirty Dancing, um, which, you know, is like ubiquitous now in pop culture. It's everywhere. Like, I'm pretty sure, like, even if you haven't watched the movie, you know something about it or you've seen like a parody, you've heard a joke, you've heard the most famous line, nobody puts baby in a corner, you know. So they just went through like, how in the world did this movie get made? Like, who were some of the casting choices, you know, that it came down to for the leads? Like, I had no idea that Sarah Jessica Parker was maybe going to be the lead instead mm -hmm. of Jennifer Grey. And Billy Zane was maybe going to be the lead instead of Patrick <laughs> Swayze, which like, been interesting. Yeah. I know. Like, I'm I tried to, like, redo the whole movie in my mind with them as the leads. And it was just like, what is happening? I can't right now. Like. Carrie from Sex and the City and Cal from Titanic are somehow like dancing in the Ozarks and it's not working for me. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so that was really fun. And they've got like other big ones like they're looking at Jurassic Park, of course. Um, I, I know they take a look at like the Back to the Future series. So mm -hmm. uh, yeah, just kind of like huge, you know, giant movies that like, you know, where would we be in pop culture without them? So that was fun. Um, and then on the complete, like, opposite intellectual spectrum and just, like, kind of fun, brainless TV, uh, I started watching Tattoo Redo on Netflix. Um, Chris and I used to, like, be really into, like, you know, tattoo shows, um, especially mm -hmm. where they would, like, cover up, like, people's terrible tattoos because who doesn't yep. love to see somebody pick something awful? Um, and like see the weird things that like people end up getting on their bodies. Uh, but this show has a twist in which like the person who brings them in to get the, to get their tattoo fixed also gets to pick the cover up tattoo. And I love it. Like, I just, mm -hmm. I, I totally, I wish Chris had a bad tattoo that I could like go in and be <laughs> like, listen, like, I'm so excited. I have so many ideas and I, yeah, I'm with you. I, I've seen some of this show as well. Uh, Ashley found it and stuff because she wants a new tattoo so much. Yeah. And um, immediately you start thinking, well, what would I give everybody? Right. You know, and right. some people are, are easy. You know, some people like obvious choices and other people right. not so much. So, right. Like yeah. Some people, I mean, some people really like take a gamble on like what they think, you know, they're the person is yeah. going to like on their body. Or, mm -hmm. uh, or like somehow they like come in with this, like it's, you know, terrible, but it's small. And then somehow they like walk out with a tattoo that's like five times as big, even though yeah. it's like super awesome. It's like, that's a lot of real estate. Like, yep. That's, that's risky. So I think it's fun. Emily, do you want a bunch of tattoos? And would you trust Shane to choose your tattoo? So I, I have a tattoo and you Shane do. is, I do. And Shane was kind of opposed to me getting it. So I actually, I, I don't, I think he would refuse to choose a tattoo for me. Actually, wow. <laughs> mm -hmm. You don't get to be in the show. Yeah. You know, they, yeah. Netflix would be like, nope, that's not part of the rules. That's yeah. right. You got to do it. Oh. Um, <laughs> I wonder he, how they would get the people like signed up for this, you know? I would yeah. Yeah, or like what kind of waivers people have to sign about like mm -hmm. I'm not going to sue anybody for what they put on my body. Yeah, as well as people are always using that to like kind of launch their brand, right, and get their you know Instagram yeah. out there and stuff right. like that. I, so let me just say, oh, go ahead. go ahead. No, no, you, you, 
you go. Okay. I would totally, if we like garner an, an audience here, mm-hmm. you know, I would ooh, totally ooh, ooh. do a thing where we would film us doing this. I will pick yes. your tattoo. You pick mine. I would totally do that. Done right now. I'm not going to do it for like an audience of almost no one. So it's <laughs> going to be like, you know, if it was like the next, we're starting to be discovered to be the next thing to like mm-hmm. catapult us. Like, look at this. We're going to this stunt. Like you say, you get your brand or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, absolutely. I would totally trust Andrea to pick me a good tattoo. For sure. I would too. Like, I think it's funny before the show, we were just chatting and, and whatever. And you were like, oh my gosh, Andrea, we're the same person. And we're thinking totally alike. And I'm like, yeah, I was thinking about it over the course of the show. We do have very like similar tastes and personalities. Mm-hmm. So I would trust you. All right. You, you've seen it here, Emily. So yep. this is beautiful. This beautiful moment. <laughs> Emily's like typing up a contract on the slide. She's like, "All right, yeah. I'm gonna send. I'm gonna send this to you." <laughs> also, some ideas no. for tattoos for you to start perusing. Yep. yep. You know, I feel like it's a decent qualifier for a good friend. Like, would you? I mean, I feel like I probably wouldn't be good friends with someone that I'd be really worried about what they would pick. You know. Yeah. Either it's like, okay, we're not good enough friends that you'd know yet. You know, you just don't know the other person mm-hmm. well enough. Otherwise, you have to imagine they're going in that they relatively know you and with your best intentions. You know, mm-hmm. you see in the show sometimes someone's there, like the other person's genuinely terrified. Oh my yeah. God, I made them mad once or something. And now they're going to, they're getting me back, you know? Yep. And I don't know. I feel like I wouldn't be in that situation but so i do have to say there was the second episode of the show i was really disappointed because there was a couple who came in and you know he was like coming in and saying like you know i really want her to get this like stupid tattoo on her foot fixed um and she Mm. was like yeah it's terrible it's awful um and so he gets to pick and and you know he's talking with the tattoo artist and the 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 girl host of the show goes over to her she's like what would you absolutely hate to see and she's like oh i just don't want one of those like generic like roses or blah 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 and then it like cuts back to the tattoo artist and they're like what if we do a flower and like a rose like (laughs) and and so the host like hears this and she's like oh shit so she like runs over and she's like guys she just said she would hate this and they like think about it for two seconds and they're like no, we're like sold on this, you know, we're going to do it. And I was like, <laughs> that's pretty good. The host did that. I was going to, mm-hmm. I figured they'd be like, I right? can't interfere. Nope. No, this she, part of the test. she like ran over and was like, you can't do this. That was like the one thing she said she hated. And they were like, we're going to roll the dice. It's going to be great. And then like at the end, the, the partner who came in with her, her boyfriend or whatever, he was like so confident the whole time. And then they went to for the reveal and he was just like, oh, my God, oh my God, what if I just like totally messed it all up? And, you know, he was just like regretting every single second of mm-hmm. it. And I was so ready for her to just like unleash and be like, how dare you? But no, she was like, oh, I love it. It's so great. I was like, oh, I'm disappointed. <laughs> I, wa- I wanted fireworks. I wanted drama. I want to be like, nope, tattoo, redo, redo. Like. <laughs> 
Okay, well, I know this is becoming a longer discussion, but yeah, sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean to go crazy on you. I have to ask. No, no, I have to ask Emily. Then, yeah, okay. So the other way. So you think Shane would refuse to pick a tattoo for you? Would you would. feel comfortable picking a tattoo for him? Mm, so that is tough because I also know how adamantly opposed he is to having a tattoo. Mm. And so I feel like kind of to your point about having the best person's interest in mind, like I am sure mm. I could pick something that would like that would be his personality and something that would speak to him. But I don't think I don't think that he would ever sign the waiver to be on the show. Right. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So uh, yeah. Did he end up liking your tattoo then? Like, does he like it or is he like at least uh, maybe not bothered by it? No, he doesn't like it. I don't think he's bothered by it, but he just he doesn't like find any appeal in the tattoo. Sure. sure. Hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. I I love tattoos. I think they're really, really awesome. Um, I mean, they can be bad, but they're just they can be so beautiful. They really add a lot of personality. Mm -hmm. Um my my issue is like I jump between things a lot, things that I I love, I'm really into or whatever. And it's not that I start disliking the other thing. It's just it's very difficult for me to decide mm -hmm. on one thing. Mate. And yeah, because I feel like if I decide on one, like if I decide on Jurassic Park, okay, I'm gonna mm -hmm. get a Jurassic Park tattoo. I feel like I that's of a potentially similar value to many other things and i feel mm -hmm. like i should automatically get all those other tattoos as well <laughs> so it's like what will rise above and that's why like yeah. i feel like i need a sleeve or nothing you know mm -hmm. i need mm. many tattoos or nothing mm -hmm. so yep yeah. i don't know mine is just a, it's uh, a very small subtle one on my foot and it's like like you can see it when i'm at work because i usually wear flats and it, mm -hmm. it like creates so many conversations with people, like yeah. patients when it's really like people are awkward and you're like, hey, I'm going to stick this thing in your vagina now. And then they can talk <laughs> to you about your tattoo and it makes you seem like more of a human being. And so I find it to be a very nice icebreaker sort of thing. Should we clarify your job? Because people yes. could go a couple of places. <laughs> <laughs> I am a physician. I um, do a lot of women's health care. So, yes. <laughs> That is, um, that is like a nice thing though, that like you can have for them to like focus on something else mm -hmm. <laughs> while that's going on. Yep. It's like, oh, hey, let's chat about your tattoo. Mm -hmm. And so many people have tattoos yep. and then it's just a nice like thing that you can talk back and forth as you're distracting somebody from whatever you're doing. Yeah. Right. So what do you got I on your foot? Get... Um, I have an abstract triangle design that I created with my friends um, when we were in when we were in residency, and so we all got some variation on this triangly geometric design and went together to a big tattoo parlor in Minneapolis, and kind of all went as a as a end of residency thing together. Nice, cool. Yeah, that was fun. That's fun. Mm -hmm. Very cool. All right, tattoo, uh, tattoo on the rocks, uh, episode seventy four. It's perfect. Um, what goes well with tattoos? But a stiff cocktail, right? Indeed. I mean, some people they got relax a little bit beforehand. They're getting nervous, or get their cocktail. courage up to go through with it. Yep. You mm -hmm. know, whatever you need, whatever you need to do. So we've got a lot of drink holidays because we missed last week. So yes, what are they? 
Yes. And are you celebrating any of them? I am sadly not celebrating any of them, but my drink does pair well with our theme today of Star Trek, which we've only lightly touched on so far, and I totally hijacked us on tattoo conversations. Um, But so for drinks to close out August on the 30th, it was Mai Tai Day. Um, And I considered making that because I've never had one, you know, just kind of thought like, oh, that would be kind of fun. But I'm not again, I've said before, I'm not really a super big rum person. So I passed on that. Um, But to kick off September on the first, we had Australian Craft Gin Day, um, which I did not know was a thing. You know, that Australia would have their own craft gins to be celebrated. But I think it's cool. I hope to celebrate that at some point. Um, September 2nd was Cabernet Sauvignon Day. So if you're a red wine fan, then uh, September 2nd was your day to cheers. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yesterday, the 7th of September, it was National Beer Lovers Day. Uh, So if you're cheersing with a, you know, a can of Bud or something craft, you know, whatever your taste is on the uh, beer gamut, then yesterday was your day. Uh, And then looking a couple days in the future, September 10th, it is International Canned Cocktail Day, which is, I feel like, becoming more and more of a thing. I mean, I know it's, you know, kind of been around, like there's been, you know, G&Ts and other other canned spirits that have been floating around, but I really feel like it's kind of growing. And it's kind of one of the, the newer drink trends. So if you're into that, just two days from now, that's your day. Yeah, yeah. it's definitely got to be a newer, newer addition to uh, having a day yeah. in terms of drinks. Yeah, newer invention. Yeah, um, I mean, obviously, you know, cans uh, containing spirits, you know, i.e. beer have been around and seltzer now, I mean, has been done right. to death. Uh, but yeah, like actual cocktails in a can is a newer thing. Yep. Delicious well, new thing. What- Yes. Yeah. So I've had I, some good ones, I, and I've I've had some, you know, questionable. But you know, I mean, who hasn't? Who you know, just like with any alcohol, you know, you've had beer or wine that you're like, oh, that's great. No, that's terrible. Yep. Well, you're not taking any of the holidays into consideration for your drink, other than the Star Trek one. What uh, What have you got? What have you got for us? So I crafted. Uh, it's it's. Uh, one of the more ubiquitous drinks that appears on Star Trek. I crafted my own Romulan ale. Nice. So, cheers to that. Yeah, all right. Emily, do you have anything fancy? Anything, any fancy beverages? I do. I have tea. Earl Grey. Yes! Oh my god, I was so close. (laughs) I was so close to doing that. You have no idea. And I'm serving it in my, for, for people who can see it, in my vintage Star Trek mug with a Klingon warbird decloaking off the starboard bow. That's awesome. Beautiful. Very cool. Beautiful. Legit. Well, my, um, <laughs> I, my being my Star Trek knowledge is pretty mild, um, we'll say. I don't have any great references other than I made a drink that I'm just calling the red shirt. Mm. So, um, yeah. So we've got a good red and blue representation here. So we do. my initial thought as, as a 
as a layman, basically, <laughs> was that you were doing a like a science engineering kind of Spock drink. So, <laughs> I mean, it definitely. Yeah. So I definitely yeah. had to like craft this um, mm -hmm. to to look the way that Romulan ale does because you really can't take a beer and make it you know, look like Romulan ale is supposed to. So sure. um, there were several different websites that had uh, different recipes for how to make, you know, your own Romulan ale. Um, and I just picked the one that I felt like was most true to what it would be. So. Sure. Well, I, so mine, I thought, all right, red shirts, they get a bad rap, you know, they die out. But we all do love Scotty, right? So um, mine's made with a scotch. Uh, it's made with a very, um, very pale scotch as to make sure I could still get a good red color going yep. in it. I'm kind of, if there's any cocktail aficionados um, out there listening, I didn't want to say what scotch I'm using because I'm using a nice scotch. Highland single malt, scotch whiskey, Polly's casks. And uh, I mixed it with red Powerade. <laughs> Classy so, move. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, oh, my I, God. How does that taste? It tastes good. I have, <laughs> I have Powerade for, um, for martial arts days. And um, I had just a little bit left. So I'm like, okay, we're going to take that. I'm going to take this very nice scotch. And then a uh, little uh, lemon juice and um, and grenadine. So, yeah. Is because classy. You got to make it classy. Now, I know, it like a bask in the shame, <laughs> you know. But I, it's like it's like a red shirt about to die. I will die of shame, you know. So, anyways. Uh. Yep. Renato had yeah. a good uh, little one-liner for you in the chat. There, beam me up, scotchy. Yeah. <laughs> exactly exactly all right well that's fun good job everyone with the drinks um we might as well launch into a little bit of news uh before mm -hmm. we talk more star trek um the one thing of gaming news uh that i figured i should throw in here is that there's a yeah. playstation showcase tomorrow that's september 9th at three o'clock central time it's um the internet's going a little crazy with this one because they've only done state smaller state of play events. They weren't at E3. Um, yep. Sony has been kind of quiet. So the hype is building around this one. And mm -hmm. so far, people at PlayStation haven't been shying away from the hype, you know, like trying to reset expectations. So if you're a PlayStation fan, um, tomorrow, September 9th, 3 p.m., Good time to tune in, I'd say. See what happens. Um, Emily, you had mentioned it earlier. Seeing, you know, I didn't talk about my week. Oh, doesn't. Oh well, <laughs> we're, we're past it. We're past it. But I, uh, I did see Shang Chi as well, and uh, I actually saw it twice. Wow. Um. Yep. So you saw it for me. Um. It doesn't work that way. No. <laughs> So, um, yeah, it, um, it was good. It was fun. Mm -hmm. I think it's different than a lot of the other Marvel movies and it's, um, 
they they did a great job with the choreography and stuff. So mm-hmm. I'll wait to talk, to talk about that one more once you've seen that, Andrea, too. So sounds good. But um, we'll say that it's um, doing seems to be doing well in theaters. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I think it'll be interesting to see because the surprise hit of the summer now has been Free Guy. Right. Yeah. Um, so we'll see what um, how this ends up stacking up, I guess. Um, yeah. But hopefully, here's me hoping that Shang-Chi has, has legs. So, and it'll be interesting to see what Disney learns from this as we always talk about them reevaluating mm-hmm. their strategy and, and whatever. So, mm-hmm. um, sticking to the martial arts topic. Cobra yes. Kai has been renewed for a fifth season um, before season four is it all even out, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, you are. You are correct, sir. I, I am not surprised by this uh, on two fronts. One being how hot Cobra Kai has been. Um, I'm not surprised that they were already like, yep, just like keep going. Like we're going to we're going to ride this as long as we can. Um, and the last time it was renewed for season four before season three had dropped. So okay. seems, it seems to be a pattern. Maybe, maybe execs somewhere getting, you know, sneak peeks sure. at it and they're just like, yeah. we love it. Let's go. Um, but either, either way that shakes out, like if they see it or they don't, like I'm not surprised and I'm yep. excited because I loved Cobra Kai. Um, Emily, have you seen or know anything about Cobra Kai? I know nothing about it. Okay. Do you know yeah. Karate Kid on which it is based? I do know Karate Kid, but only okay. the original Karate Kid. I haven't seen right, any right. of the yeah, the remakes yep. or the yes. sequels uh, or yeah. That's the one you need to have seen. Basically. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Or for this. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my sister and her husband recently rewatched the original Karate Kid again, and had a newfound appreciation, I think, mm-hmm. um, after having watched Cobra Kai and just like, because they do a good job of weaving in the original movie, yeah. uh, giving context. Because so for anyone that doesn't know, Cobra Kai is basically, it begins following the not main guy from Karate Kid. So the Karate yeah, the Kid antagonist. is in this. Yes. Yeah, you're following his like rival in school and it's much later in their life, you know, they're adults now and stuff. And um, yeah, it's pretty entertaining. I just I stopped at the beginning of season two because I was so frustrated with the decisions characters were making. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was bad. I just was like, don't do this. And yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I. I agree. Um, not to get too into the weeds on Cobra Kai, but yeah, you kind of you kind of had to like push through a little bit of like the beginning of season two to get characters back on a like, OK, this seems more believable because you're just messing everything up right now. So, yeah, yeah. just binge it. Just power through. You can't you can't yeah. stop and think about it too hard. Otherwise, you'll be mad. Yep. Um, sticking on the television topic, sort of. Um, um, we had a little bit of a discussion, uh, mm-hmm. myself and Shane in, and Shane in particular this weekend about Cowboy Bebop coming Ooh, okay. to Netflix, the uh, adaptation, um, more news about that. 
that we have not talked about. Basically, they're doing a, uh, well, firstly, the original director, creator of Cowboy Bebop has dis- has had no input on this show. So we just learned that the, the director, uh, Shinichiro Watanabe, mm-hmm. he is not a part of this, and he's right. just crossing his fingers that it's good. So, right. Um, so it, it sounds like that's like Netflix's MO with him because there was another project that he was like, they had billed him as like in on, uh, but he really wasn't. Was that um, uh, Black Runner? Lotus? Yeah, Black Lo- yeah. Blade Runner Black I so. Lotus. I think that's what that's called. Mm-hmm. Um, if our technical director wants to to check me on that. Um, but yeah, that seems to be like their like, you know, broad pattern of being like, you're in, but like only kind of, you know. Right. Yeah. So. I mean, I got to imagine it's like a George Lucas situation almost, except that George <laughs> completely did it to himself. Yeah, right. um, you know, but <laughs> like, hey, I have this is this would be my advice, you know, and then new creators say, ah, don't worry about that. Right. I'll do our own thing. So we'll see. Um, it, it, for everybody out there, Shane is, is more optimistic than I am about the show. So, okay. And Emily, do you have any like, uh, like history or perspective on Cowboy Bebop? I did not know anything about Cowboy Bebop until the conversation. I had never heard of it. But I can't get the image out of my head now of what I imagine is like little cute cowboys just like dancing it up. And so I really <laughs> feel like I have to I have to know what this is now. So I will have I to would, watch it. I would almost rather that be what this was. <laughs> little like cartoon cowboys just yeah. like be bopping around. Yeah. <laughs> and I know you mean that by like what Netflix is doing and not like the actual anime. Well, that you I would mean, change the anime. Oh, no, I wouldn't. I no, absolutely. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, and so, you know, in fairness, then, I mean, Emily, they're making this show for you. Oh, not OK. Making it for me. They're ma- they are actually love- making little dancing cowboys. I mean, I don't know. We don't know. Okay. But the point is, you you don't have a perspective on it other than yeah. what its name implies. Mm-hmm. And, and so John is John is, if you can't tell, on the pessimistic side of how this show is going to turn out and and how well they're going to do in adapting this anime to live action. I will just really try to not like it. <laughs> OK, <laughs> thank you. I'm, I appreciate I'm, that so much. <laughs> I'm with Shane. I'm on the optimistic side because I adore John Cho, who is the uh, the main character. Um cast as the main character in Netflix's adaptation. And I'm just like crossing my fingers that it's good for him, or at least he does well. Um, so that, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't get the hate because I feel like there's a predisposition for, for, you know, fans of the anime who are like rightly scared about like what is going to happen to their beloved show. Um, but yeah, I just hope he does a good job. You know, I'm not sure. Like, normally I'd say, well, I want it. I want it to be good. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I want it to be good. I am excited for the original composer to be back to write music for right. Yoko Kano. Uh, she's amazing. And, um, 
So I have that, but at the same time, maybe I want this stuff to just fail enough that finally they just quit trying to make these adaptations. Mm -hmm. Like, can that happen yet? But it's, but sometimes it seems like that's not possible. Like how many video game adaptations failed over and over and over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. um, and they still keep making them. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, on the one hand, I'm like, can this, this stuff just fail enough that we just leave anime alone to be what it is? Um, but maybe they won't get the hint anyways. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hard, hard to know because for every, you know, 10, 12 failures, there's a Castlevania that works out really, really well. Which is, yes, I yes. mean, but you know what I mean? It's it's yeah. not exactly an adaptation yes. because it's not live action, but it's not a video game either. You yes. know what I mean? Like, so there's some translation. So, yeah, I don't I don't know that it's ever going to, you know, really get the message across unless everything fails. And I don't want everything to fail. <laughs> I feel like it's still beneficial at all for the creators and the the original people who had the vision if something gets broader appeal um, or do you think that most creators mm. feel the opposite that they wish it had stayed small and under their control hmm. good question yeah it's probably a quite a mix I would yeah. imagine I mean it's one of those like bittersweet things like mm -hmm. I'm sure I'm sure this show um, and leading into the next story, the comic book and stuff that's going to come along now will, yeah. um, will drive people to the original content. So if someone right. potentially sees this, hears about it, whatever, potentially those people go consume the original content as well. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that's happened with Castlevania to yeah. some extent. Maybe people that haven't played Castlevania in a very long time, they saw the show and they're like, I would like to try that, you know, and then so they go out and try to play, you know, dig out their old DS and play some Castlevania games or something. Right. So, but at the same time, it's got to be like, well, it's it's like your baby. And, you know, what are you doing to my baby? Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, I'm sure it's a mixed bag and I'm sure it kind of depends on how badly it fails. You know what I mean? Like if it's mm -hmm. like a... That isn't exactly how I would have envisioned it, but it's, you know, it's not terrible. Or if it's just like a complete, you know, hatchet job and, you know, you're taking out characters or making them the complete opposite of what, you know, you originally wrote. I'm sure that's really tough for an author to just yeah. be like this. This isn't anything I intended. Mm -hmm. So, well, what's that? Um, the manga turned and a film that we talked about for our whole cyberpunk um era or a set of shows it um they made then oh, james cameron then made yeah. james cameron and uh uh rodriguez yep. Yep. made yep. um uh, made a movie uh, totally. adaptation oh alita and alita yes battle angel battle angel alina yep, yep. So that that creator made a story that um, was pretty small for a while, became a cult classic, blew up. They made a, a anime adaptation. And then there was people in Hollywood that were fans and brought him in 
They wanted his autograph. They exchanged autographs, you know, whatever. They got pictures with him. They toured him around set. They mm -hmm. talked to him about things. There was clearly a, like a reverence and a, a for the creator and the things that he brought to life that they're now trying to respect and bring to, to life in a new way that like, no matter what you thought of the film, uh, I think that that's a showing of doing it the right way. You right. know, it doesn't, it didn't come across as the sort of, well, we're in a boardroom. There's this property that's for sale that some people like somewhere. We know it has a, a name recognition. Let's take it and do whatever we want with it. We'll get right. some easy, easy numbers from the name recognition and then make it our own thing mm -hmm. versus like what they did with Alita and, you know, care about the content they are now messing with, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I had to imagine that creator is probably pretty happy to see his stuff live on. And even though the movie didn't do financially like crazy, well, there's talks mm -hmm. of a sequel and yep. uh, audience reviews have been pretty high and all that stuff. So, and he was involved in the process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In like a genuine way. Yeah. 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 I, I was wondering what it would be like to be, you know, the original creator of something and then be involved in the process and whether it would be easier to just be totally separated from it mm -hmm. or to be in there and see, like be a part of it and have it not go the way you want it to go. Because I imagine there's really only so much control you can have. Yeah. All over some, you know, massive production when you're the when you're the right. original creator. Yep. yep. Yeah. I mean, yep. I think I think that's, you know, part of the trouble that people get into um, when they don't clearly define roles, you know, for the original creator. It's like, you know, OK, are you going to be like our head writer or are you just going to be a consultant or, you know, like. Are you going to have an official paid role on this? Or are we just like bringing you in and you give us your thoughts? Mm -hmm. But, you know, like you expect them to be, you know, gospel, but we're just sort of like taking them as loose suggestions. Like, yeah. yep. you know, that's where that's where I feel like you get into like, I have this expectation, but I feel like I have creative freedom. And then we we see on the screen they don't match. Mm hmm. It, that's that's easier to avoid when people that are making the new thing are genuinely fans of right. what they're making, you know, right. when it's as opposed to like, well, we're it's it feels obligatory that we bring in the creator to right. like, you know, um, for the the press junket, you know, or something uh, right. for the media. So we can see we have here we have the creator. We uh, we care so much, and then meanwhile they don't know anything about anything, and uh, right. yeah, it's for lip service or for an image. So yeah. Also, a little bit on the Star Trek tangent, I was actually thinking mm. about the show, The Orville, which had yeah. you know nothing to do with the Star Trek canon. Gene Roddenberry had no like no fingers in that pie. Totally Seth MacFarlane's you know thing, but. I thought such a great tribute and clearly yes. from somebody who loved Star Trek and loved yep. the world that was created and then like added their own creativity to this vision. Um, yes. Yep. We should talk about that more in a little bit. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, well, sticking to the TV topic, um, who's a fan of Fresh 
Prince of Bel Air. Absolutely. Okay. We've got we've got Absolutely. we've got a panel full of fans. Uh-huh. Um, they're redoing the show. They're they're making it again. And what do you guys think? Emily, I'll let you go. Mm, I I am skeptical, but hopeful, I guess, because I believe like just like the last example, I do believe that it can be done well and you can recreate shows that are a tribute, but you know, unique. Um, and so I'm hopeful that they do it, but I don't think that they will. So, <laughs> yeah, I am. I'm of a similar mindset. There's, there's hope there, but a lot more skepticism in, in my head. Um, I, I thought the announcement like that Will Smith did about, you know, finding their new leading man uh jabari banks i thought that that was really adorable and it was super cute and it was you know high energy good fun but that doesn't really mean anything as far as the show goes and how good it's Mm going to be so um yeah i i have a hard time you know feeling like the show is going to be as good and as iconic as the original but you never know also, I definitely oh. have like the entire theme song running through my head right yeah, now. Because... I can't even focus on what to say. Because <laughs> so. what good '90s kid doesn't have like all the words to that memorized? Okay, so here's the question: Is are movies and television art or not? That is a deep question. That's also, I mean, like, what are we talking about when we say art here? Is it an, is film an art form? Yeah. So it's yeah. A, yeah. How many times have people redone the Mona Lisa? I mean, probably a lot. Yeah, probably a ton. Just not yeah. like to but museum like, quality. Right, but like. A, an amateur you mean like like a person at home decides they wants to make it yeah i was thinking sure. about like the number of times the mona lisa shows up in other imagery then so the the, mm. the tributes to the mona okay. lisa yeah. when it's featured in a movie about an art heist or you know it's in the background of something right it, the mona lisa itself is depicted in so many other works of art Sure. Like but somebody goes always... to the to the Louvre to like go right. like contemplate in front of the Mona Lisa or yeah. Mm-hmm. And I I mean I also bet that like people at home think that, you know, I'm gonna just try it. What the hell, man? Yeah. Sure. I I think if for me it's like they <clears throat> the Mona Lisa has never been replaced. There's not new version of Mona Lisa that is now the sanctioned, approved, reproduced Mona Lisa mm. version sure. that some mm. new artist made that um, is now more famous and the one that you're you should buy and put in your house. Sure. You know, of course, people it's like kind of like in school, I made a Star Wars video, too. You know, I, mm-hmm. I so like, but that's not me recreating Star. I mean, I am doing star wars you know mm-hmm. but it's like star wars is what it is and i didn't replace it you know other mm-hmm. than like a fan fan content sure and i thought is real art is timeless real yeah. art is what it is you know it it's a it's an example of its time from from which mm-hmm. it came 
from the creator and the materials that were able to be used in the time. And it's a, it's a specific thing and then it's done and it can be enjoyed for all of time, you know, uh -huh. and appreciated. And you see different things in it than you would have before. Or you come at it from a new perspective in a new time. And that art maybe means something different to sure. someone now versus 200 years ago or whatever. And I think that if film is going to be art, this whole idea that we should replace it, that it needs to be modernized and we need a new version of it mm -hmm. is kind of spitting in the face of, of art. It's presumptuous to think sure. that we should replace, you know, whatever it is, you know, if it's a, um, you know, some famous sculpture, you know, mm -hmm. throw out the old sculpture mm -hmm. and do a new version of the same thing. Mm -hmm. Do you, do know. you think that it's all re like that the intent is always to recreate or do you think it's to build on? Cause I think you could also argue that art throughout history has all been built upon the techniques and the work of the people yes. who came before. And while the Mona Lisa is a unique piece, I am sure that Leonardo pulled from work of other people as he studied mm -hmm. and, you know, some piece at the Louvre was replaced by the Mona Lisa, right? So it seems like it's also a right. constantly evolving growth within mm -hmm. art. Yep, exactly. And I, I would agree with that completely. They, they say there's nothing original left, you know, mm -hmm. but it's like Star Wars was inspired by Akira Kurosawa and Flash Gordon and stuff, mm -hmm. but it wasn't those things. It built right. off those things. Right. And so if they re, but that's different than if they decide to remake Star Wars someday, because now they're not being, building off of being inspired by learning from in their own thing. They're just redoing what mm -hmm. was done. Yeah. And I mean, I know this, this gets into a little bit trickier territory, um, but even like doing a reboot of something, where it's not the original thing, but it like uses the original cast maybe. And now we're talking like 20 years later or whatever. That's still like different enough because it's not like the exact same plot, like the exact same character. You know, we're just having like a different person come in, which is what this, I, from what I know, this Fresh Prince is going to be is like literally like a new will is coming in. Mm -hmm you know, live with the yeah. Banks family and like do his thing in Bel Air. Yep. Almost tried to wrap that a little bit. Tried to <laughs> try to try to pull from like the <laughs> intro and was like, no, Andrea, you can't do that. You can't do that. Haven't had enough Rami Linnell. I believe in you. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. It's something to think about. I just thought that, you know, mm -hmm. it's it seems like it's a problem in the the film industry. You know, they don't rewrite Dune. Dune is like one of the biggest, most popular and influential sci science fiction novels ever. Someone doesn't say, well, I'm going to just make Dune again, my own book, you know? Um, and I just, I don't know. I feel like it's a, it's a lazy thing that as opposed to, as you say, Emily being inspired by pulling from things, drawing inspiration from uh, learning from, you know, they do it in the films all the time. Like take, a, a, they try to replicate a camera shot 
that they mm -hmm. loved in some other film. It's like, that's amazing. I want to do that version too. But they're not actually making the same film. They're just taking a part and making, and it becomes something greater than those pieces. And um, I wish we had uh, that film was treated more that way, like mm -hmm. the rest of the art world, I guess. So. Yeah, fair, fair points. I mean, yeah, you know, like there, there would be something nice about not, you know, trying to see a new like Jurassic Park out there, or a new Harry Potter, or a new Titanic, or you know, mm -hmm. I don't know. What if, I mean, what if something isn't done well the first time, and you're like, oh, it had such potential, right? That's that's yeah. tough. That's tough, especially if you love something and you feel like it's been ruined, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like it is, I feel like it is probably easier for TV shows to, to like have a do over than movies to have a do over. But just because like, I don't know, TV just like takes, I feel like, um, like much less to just be like, you know, we need content 24 hours a day. Whereas movies are like, we don't need to run these you know, mm. we don't have a channel that needs content. So there's just like something easier about like a TV show having the green light to, you know, be like, whoops, we really messed it up on the first time. Like, let's try again. It's a good point. I, uh, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to say like, you know, never have, never have remakes, mm -hmm. never reduce, you know, like, like you say, Emily, if it's something that's, that's kind of trash. It doesn't come over, go over very well, but there was potential mm -hmm. there. It makes sense. Um, example, uh, and not even saying the first one is trash, but one of my top five television shows ever is a remake. Yeah. It's Battlestar Galactica. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, way better. <laughs> that's, that, yeah. I mean, it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. uh, and, um, so I just, I just get tired of the, um, the over usage, you yeah. know, we're just, mm -hmm. we're just in a situation. They just interviewed the former CEO of PlayStation. And he, he said again, like, you know, video games, uh, cause video games have this problem too, are running into this situation where they keep spending more and more and more on them, therefore incurring a larger and larger risk, uh, that the game must sell incredibly mm -hmm. well. And therefore, you take fewer chances. And right. so redos and reboots and remasters and all the sequels and all that stuff is what becomes the name of the game as opposed mm -hmm. to something original. And uh, just it's just a problem I wish would uh, we uh, a situation we wish we weren't in. That's all. So. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm I mean, I'm thinking here now of of a TV show uh, that failed hard that I wish would be redone. Um, my favorite book series or one of my favorite book series, I should say, um, the Dresden files, Jim butcher had a TV show on the sci-fi channel. It was awful, awful, awful. Like just nothing was the way it was written in the books. Like the main character didn't look the way he should, like he, all of his like wizardly accoutrement was not as described in the books. Like his partner was like the complete opposite of the way she she was depicted. Everything sucked. Like and it's universally panned. Everybody hated it and just thought like what the what the hell? What did you do to this? But like now I think why are we wasting time remaking 
and rebooting The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, which is a gem of a TV show and a classic, when these resources could be put into rebooting The Dresden Files, which is like a hugely best-selling book series. And the TV show could be really amazing if somebody just like took the time to do it right. Cared about it. Cared about it. Like cared about it. (laughs) Right, exactly. Like somebody actually maybe picked up the book and Mm -hmm. and like read it. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So, you know, that that to me is a very obviously personal example, but is a prime example, I think, of like something that was done horribly that could be done so much better. Well, Emily, you just exchanged a Star Trek cup for a giant mug. I did. Um, I switched to Saurian brandy here. No, nice. this, this is now my my alcohol free hot toddy. So nice, nice. Oh yes, hot toddies. Mm-hmm. I never had one of those until you made one. Yes, I love me a hot good. toddy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. Speaking of things we love. DC fandom, right? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, well, I mean, it, last year was we, things came out of it. Interesting things there, came there out were of it. We had pieces. trailers and stuff, you know? It just, I don't know if it was worth sitting and watching, but right. there was news that came out of it. Um, Emily, are you a fan of any of the DC movies or comics or television shows? I know at least one that you're interested in. Um, I'm a, a fan of, you know, actually just like original Batman things from, mm. um, from, from the DC world. But, um, we were watching, what else? What are, what are you thinking of John that I said I was a fan of? Doom Patrol. Oh yes. I did enjoy that. I didn't actually, re- I didn't, I didn't know about them prior to watching them. I didn't actually realize they were a part of the DC universe, but I did really enjoy them. Yeah, I yeah. thought it was a very unique um, superhero show and yeah. different. It's like way more complicated. I mean, superheroes are all inherently kind of flawed human beings um, for the most part, but I thought they were especially flawed and interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Andrea, we need to get on watching season two. We do because season three is coming out and I believe just two weeks. What? Oh, man, that's yep. quick. Yep. Ooh, yeah, should maybe start that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, DC fandom, they're doing the events that they did for the first time last year. Again, this year, I'm sure we can expect um, more of the same, but probably some more trailers, some more stuff from the games coming out, Gotham Knights and stuff, Suicide mm-hmm. Squad game. Um, interestingly, last year was kind of dominated by the Suicide Squad movie. That was one of the bigger news stories that came out of it. Right. They sort of did their cast uh, interview with the, you know, big A-list name cast people and all that stuff or whatever, or mm-hmm. B-list anyways. <laughs> and um looked like they had good pour together and stuff. I think fans were excited, but now we've seen the fruits of the labor. And though I enjoyed the movie a lot, um, it tanked yeah. at the box office. Tanked. Mm. Well, and there really wasn't that much out there to watch, even besides that you'd think it would do well. Because, and I mean, to be fair though, like box office should be a little in quotes since it was also available on streaming. 
Yes. Because I because I um, don't know how we like adjust to account for like my potential revenue. You know, obviously not just me, but like the the many people out there like me who may have already had HBO Max and we're just like, cool, I'm just gonna yeah. bop on over to my TV and watch it. Yes. I had though have not seen any like saving numbers from that either. If they yeah. do exist, I, I feel like they would have been reported now. I'm like, oh, you guys don't worry. We had we saw so many subscribers added to HBO Max. Like, but yeah, that's what Disney? I mean. Like, like what what calculus is there for me who already had HBO Max, mm -hmm. but for Suicide Squad would have gone to to like spend the money at the theater. Is there any right. like cushion that they're trying to build for that? Yeah, I think it's it, well, it's definitely going to be an ongoing conversation right. again of like the they're gonna they're gonna have to figure that out. Of, yeah, of this stuff. But I think this is a result of the um, the fans clouding the vision of people in in charge of this property, because mm -hmm. it's it's one of those things where um, it's really easy when you're in, paying attention to everything to get worked up about something. And we were talking before about how we would see the movie because James Gunn was doing it. We enjoyed Guardians of the Galaxy or potentially other things he did. And so we're going to give it a go and see what happens. But most people are going to have no idea about who James Gunn is. Doesn't carry any sort of name thing. It's not Will Smith, you know? It's not in front of the mm -hmm. camera. People right. don't know him. It's not a draw. Mm -hmm. And so whereas on online, a bunch of fans and a bunch of nerds are like excited Normal people are like, what is this? Maybe they didn't has, really like the first one, you yeah. know. But it did have some like big names in it, Idris Elba, you know, and John Cena. Mm -hmm. So if, if nothing else, Peter Margot Robbie pulled in. Yeah, Margot Robbie. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. this was go ahead. I was just gonna say, I feel like this film suffered from a couple of different like now have proven to be devastating blows one being um maybe not quite the the vision execution that maybe it should have been it got a little muddied but also i feel like some really bad marketing and we talked about mm. this with shane in our episode that we covered the suicide squad where a bunch of the trailers focused on characters who were gone in the movie like after five minutes like right I talked about that that trailer that was everywhere that was like Captain Boomerang's back and he was not back. Spoiler alert. I'm sorry. Um, I, I guess I didn't say what happened to him, but he's only in like five minutes of the movie. And I was like, why would you build this in the trailer like it's a thing when it's not a thing? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I just feel like that the trailer suffered from like this is what's happening. And it really wasn't that. Yep. The the the. The press are the, you know, that they end up releasing for everything. The media promotional content makes a big difference. I remember with um, mm -hmm. Halo 5 in video game space. I actually really liked the game, but mm -hmm. a lot of people felt they were lied to basically yeah. in the campaign leading up to it. They did not mm -hmm. get the game they were expecting yep. and were 
that made him really mad. They they went in with expectations. Mm-hmm. There's probably like Super Bowl ads and all kinds of things like big time that so like a lot of people saw this stuff and then they go in and they don't get what they're looking for. And so that yeah. That and that's a problem. That's what I feel like happened here is I mean obviously like you know there were parts of the trailer that were true like Margot Robbie was, you know, basically the the star of the movie. Um but I mean if you if you think like gee like Captain Boomerang's going to be around Michael Rooker's going to be around like all the, all these other like superheroes and it's going to be like this whole thing and then you go into it and you're like whoops like that's that's not the movie that I thought I was going to people people come out you know with very different um opinions than they than they could have just because they feel like I thought I was getting one thing and now I just don't like it because I didn't get what I thought I was getting mm-hmm. irregardless of if the movie still turned out good anyway. Well, like you guys are saying too, um, that like it's having some big names in it. Um, but I remember reading now probably a decade ago or something like that, that the last person in Hollywood that seemed to be able to draw people to the cinema was Will Smith. Because he used to be that, you know, you'd have actors, actresses, they would work for a studio. And so everybody would go to a movie that had starred said person because they were in it. Mm-hmm. And that was it. Like, you just did that. Um, it's Cary Grant's in a movie, going to see his movie. You know, like, that's what it was. Right. And I think that that period of Hollywood was kind of done. And and their argument in this, I think it was Time Magazine article or something like that, was that uh will smith was the only one that can do that and this Mm. was again at least a decade ago and so now i don't know that that's even true there i think that people need more than most a lot of you know the masses need more than a familiar face in Mm. the film um and i think the maybe the the, this is moved to like marvel movies oh marvel is in the title Mm -hmm. you know i'm gonna go see it yeah yeah it's kind of like video games. Oh, it's a Nintendo game. Must be good. It's a good. It's a good game, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, in movie space, yeah, it's a Marvel movie. So I'm sure. I'm sure I'll like it. <laughs> I don't know. Um. Okay. Combining all the topics of movies and television and video games is a franchise that indeed spans them all, mm-hmm. and. Uh, we thank everyone for joining us on this momentous occasion because today, the very day we record this, is Star Trek Day. is the 55th anniversary of Star Trek. And um, they did a poor job promoting this, but <laughs> there has been today uh, uh, on YouTube, on Paramount Plus's YouTube page, and on StarTrek.com slash day. Um some like live musical events and some panels and some stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So after the show or whatever, tomorrow, you're if you're interested in that kind of thing, you can check out Paramount Plus's YouTube page and um, watch all that fun stuff and continue the Star Trek celebration. So um, I am wearing a Star Trek shirt. I actually got this Star Trek shirt from a from cereal boxes. Um, I believe this is when, I believe this is when the, um, reboots, 
uh, reboots, I guess, in air quotes, whatever, um, were coming films. out. Wow. Yes. J.J. Abrams and, films. Mm-hmm. You just so, send in the cereal boxes. Like, you, yeah. cut, you actually mm-hmm. cut them out of the cereal boxes. Yep. I love it. Gosh. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. It still fits. It's proof I didn't, like, balloon in the last however many, uh, I don't know how many years it's been now. It doesn't seem like a long time, but it probably has been a while. 12 years. 2009 was the first reboot movie. Okay. That sounds right. Yeah. That is a while Um, ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I've got that going for me anyways. Um, I'm not sure where to start exactly, but I think might as well go around and um, just get a little bit of a breakdown, like what Star Trek means to each of us. What was your first Star Trek? Um, should for for sure get that in. Like, what's what was your first exposure to Star Trek? Um, maybe what what um, is the? We'll start there. What was your first, first exposure to Star Trek, and what was that like for you and everything? Emily, kick us off. First contact. My first contact. So <laughs> I think it was when um in when would this have been mid nineties. Um, and TNG was mm-hmm. actually, I learned in researching this, it was always syndicated. That was actually how they went directly to, um, to the air was, was in, in being directly syndicated, which was unique for the time, but it used to be on at like three o'clock or four o'clock on weekdays. Um, mm-hmm. and so I would get home from the bus and like rush in to be able to like turn it on and start the episode as as it was um so it must have been like the four o'clock getting home from school and so that was that was my first experience was watching those for a little bit every day as a as a kiddo nice mm-hmm. i had a very very similar experience um i don't believe that i watched that i was lucky enough to start at like the first episode of TNG, I'm sure that I like kind of found myself, you know, in the middle of some season and then, you know, kind of went back. Um, but uh, it so TNG had late night runs that um, I stayed up watching with my dad. Um, so my dad and I were like champions of like late night sneak it in television when my mom was asleep and didn't know. Um, we watched Star Trek, we watched Xena, Hercules, nice. you know, so, some other like nice. classics for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I think sometimes they were on like UPN, sometimes they were on like, you know, other like rando channels that don't even exist anymore. Um, but yeah, whatever they were on, that's that's what me and my dad were, were watching late at night. And that was my my first introduction um, into Star Trek as well was TNG. Nice. John, any any introduction to TV or was it was it the cereal boxes that the, <laughs> the movies that got you in? You know, it's one of those things that um, I definitely had exposure to it as a kid, but it was so limited mm-hmm. that I like it left no impression. Um, mm. I know that I saw some of the original series. Um, very young but i couldn't remember basically anything from that Uh, Mm -hmm. and then next generation i only remember it like as it would like come on and then 
it seemed dull and it would be changed. The channel would be changed. So like I, I just it it never made any sort of um, connection with me. I think that my my passion ended up, you know, getting um, like I was sucked up in Star Wars, you know, as a child. So it, it didn't leave room for Star Trek. And um, I know other people that got into it because their parents watched mm-hmm. watched it and they watched it along with them. And my parents were interested in it either. Sure. So I didn't have that connection. And all my friends uh, when I was younger, almost none of them were into like, quote unquote, nerdy things. Like it just, I don't know. It's like the school and the low population I had or whatever was just like, I mean, I was the hugest Star Wars fan and no one else in my school apparently liked Star Wars, basically. At least no one in my grade or anyone I knew. And until like a friend moved in, a new friend from out of state, it was, you know, oh, hey, we're a real person that likes Star Wars. Okay. (laughs) But so anyways, Star Trek wasn't involved there. Sure. And so I didn't, I didn't get interested in it more until the rebooted movie. Oh, I t- I did see actually a movie in the theaters. I saw uh, before the the redos. Um, I saw um, Nemesis. I'll say Nemesis. I oh, I said yeah. Nemesis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I don't know why. I probably because it reminded me of Star Wars or something from the previews mm-hmm. or whatever. You know, sure. somehow. And so I do remember seeing that, and again, that not leaving a big impression on me. But yeah. So I. I'm sorry to everyone out there. <laughs> Apologies to all the Trekkies. Yep. Trek. Okay. Do you guys prefer Trekkies or Trekkers? Ease. Ease. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Trekkies. Okay. Okay. Trekkies. I don't know anyone who says Trekkers. It's supposedly this big co- controversial thing, but I, I've never I've met never anyone met either. Trekker. It, I agree. Yep. Totally. But, I, but yeah, I, you got to bring it up. I mean, it's a thing. But yeah, yeah, I've never I've never heard that or heard anyone like use it. I mean, yeah. Yep. Um, so since I've I've gained much more uh, admiration for the series, um, for the franchise, though, um, my uh, catalog is still pretty narrow. But um, why don't we go through then like. So we've seen how you're you've been introduced but like now what made the biggest impact on you? What's your favorite part of the Star Trek universe? What series or mm-hmm. movie or book? What's like the Star Trek thing to you? You know, what's um, like, you know, Star Wars, it's, you know, it's episode, it's Empire Strikes Back. So it's like a go-to, of course, that's the best. How about for Star Trek for you guys? Mm-hmm. Well, let you answer that first, Andrea. Okay. I I mean, I was just going to say, like, I I can't get away from Next Gen. Like, that that Mm -hmm. was my introduction. Like, that's, you know, Picard is my captain. Like, Mm -hmm. that's that's where the love started. And that's, you know, probably um, the thing that that resonates deepest with me is that series. I mean, I'm not going to say everything about that series is perfect because, you know, it's uh, it's seven seasons long. It's bound to have some slip ups. But um but I mean, it was such it's it's in a way it reminds me um, of the reboot of Doctor Who. It sort of like restarted and kicked off the love of Star Trek 
and it had like spinoffs that it spawned like quite a few um as i'd forgotten some of them but i was like re-looking everything up for this episode um you know when you think about like deep space nine voyager enterprise like there was so much that it that it really kicked off and just became this like phenomena and yeah i think i think you know any any trekkie will have a special place in their heart for next gen because that's what it did and it made it so huge and without it you wouldn't have had this like massive um influx of media around star trek yeah i would agree with that i feel like that yeah tng is probably where where my mind goes when i think about star trek i didn't mm-hmm. like i went back later and watched the original series right. um and yeah, like TNG is just completely different and it has a totally different feel and a philosophy. And so kind of to what we were talking about before, like I feel like it it builds upon something that was mm-hmm. a little iffy and really took it to the next level and made it something great that then could be built off How of. How dare you? I know. You know, you. I know. I know that's a controversial statement, but um, I do have to say, like, uh, we were talking about Earlier, I went back and, like, watched the first episode of all Star Treks uh, just to, like, you know, kind of get myself back into, like, how did these all begin? And the uh, so the OG Star Trek had two pilots, mm-hmm. um, one with uh, Captain Pike, who is, like, never seen again in the OG Star Trek. And then, like, the now official, like, first episode with Kirk. And there is a huge difference in, uh, you know, in the unaired, like, Captain Pike pilot and the Captain Kirk pilot. Like, there mm. isn't, like, there is an amazing difference. It almost makes the Kirk pilot look quality <laughs> when you, like, jump from... The slander <laughs> over the original series. I know, I, I, know, I know. But, but I mean, you do, there, there's something impossible to ignore about, like, the limitations of technology at that time. Mm-hmm. I think there's a certain point where technology goes back where you can tell it looks dated, but you're still forgiving because it can do enough. Um, and, of course, like, the, the original Star Trek just isn't at that point yet. But, but when you look at the difference between the two, wow. Uh, the uh, the pilot looks pretty polished. It's uh, it's quite the difference, I have to say. They made, See, they made a good decision with that. Then it really did. They really did. I mean, <laughs> from uh, I mean, th- their their leading man, Captain Pike, actually wasn't too bad himself. But the uh, the entire like surrounding world, um, it was pretty rough, pretty rough. So I don't know. Who else they may have potentially replaced or fired along with Captain Pike, but it was a good decision. Well, I think they replaced the entire cast except for Leonard Nimoy. They did, yeah. I just mean like yeah. production, production production wise as well. Yeah. And there there's very clearly somebody else in charge. Yeah. Hmm. But yes, yeah, yeah they, they did a, a whole different cast, which is great. It's too bad you guys uh, don't have the appreciation for the original series. Like, <laughs> uh, that's my favorite thing that I've. I mean, may, and maybe people don't agree with this, but I've definitely heard it before. So mm-hmm. some people do that. The rebooted movies are much more like Star Wars films. And J.J. Yeah. Abrams himself has said how he's very he's he's was a Star Wars fan. 
And so he, I mean, you can look at the first one and it plays a lot like the first Star Wars film. Mm-hmm. Um, leave, you know, young adolescent, wine, leave home, you know, whatever kind of thing. And um, it has this sort of, um, I don't know, it becomes more of an action oriented, fast paced type of thing. Um, and I argue, and I think lots of other people do, that it loses a lot of what makes Star Trek Star Trek make and what makes Star Trek unique. So mm-hmm. I I love those films, um, particularly the first one and the third one. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, do you guys feel that they're not particularly Star Trek in your mind? Do you still see them that way? Is it part of the whole universe to you? Do you? Do you care? Does like Star Trek, it can be so many different things <laughs> to different people that it's all okay and it all I, I accept it all that way, or is it like mm, this really doesn't it doesn't fit like sure other elements? Yeah, I mean, speaking for for myself, like um, I think the the JJ Abrams movies are the culmination of a trend in Star Trek that where it starts out more cerebral and it starts out more like we're going to explore and we're we're meeting and making contact and you know our mission isn't really to engage um and you know it's a little bit more about learning and exploring and that's that's really like the core of it and then you can kind of see as more spin-offs like from next gen happen the the pilots start in the middle of battle, in the middle of action, you know, like, right, you're thrown in the thick of it. And it's a little bit less about like, you know, here we're being introduced to the crew who's on a mission to go make contact with X. It's literally like, you know, oh my God, we're in the middle of battle. Um, And, you know, everything is chaos and everything is action and go, go, go. Um, And we have to solve, you know, we have to solve like an immediate threat or an immediate conflict. And then I think like the Star Trek movies that JJ Abrams made were the culmination of that, like moving more towards action. And, um, I, I certainly see how that happened and, and, and why, and especially, you know, that JJ Abrams was such a Star Wars fan, which are more action oriented. Um, but I don't particularly feel like they sit well with me in the Star Trek universe. You know what I mean? Like they they are part of it out of, you know, the sheer fact that like that's what they're labeled as. These are the characters, you know, like they obviously have to be included in there. Um, but it doesn't for me have the true feeling of of Star Trek. They're they're almost like a weird hybrid. I guess I've always felt like there was a big difference between the feel of the movies and the feel of the TV show, even going back to, I mean, I will say like, so the original Star Trek movies are pretty slow, I would say, you know, like maybe a little, but there's still like Klingon battle scenes and Mm -hmm. ships are exploding and there's a lot more action in all of the movies than I feel like would be classically in the episodes with with the exception of you know maybe a few um special ones but i I do think that the movies in general are 
yeah, they, they just feel they've always felt different to me than the show. And so mm -hmm. the, the newer movies didn't bother me in that they were fast paced and explosions and fight scenes because it's kind of what I was expecting from the last, you know, 15, mm -hmm. 20 years of the Star Trek movies. Okay. Nice. Um, so there was one other thing I was going to make a point of with that, but it slipped my mind at the moment. Um, sure. Did I properly address? I don't think I properly addressed your kind of dismissal of the original Star Trek. Um, <laughs> the I I um so again saying it didn't grab me as a kid. Um, later watching it, I um I appreciate it a lot more. Firstly. Mm -hmm. Spock is a real badass. Mm -hmm. Like you don't, you wouldn't mess with Spock. Mm -hmm. Um, he's, he's pretty cool. And I appreciate the, the classic characters and names that a lot of people would still be familiar with from this. I think that you could get more people, you know, if you ask, you know, thousand people between, you know, Kirk and Picard and you know you say you know this data or spock you know um these the original series is definitely more familiar to more people they're more um like i mean they're more pop culture icons yeah than next gen i feel like every other part of of star trek has never managed to capture that sort of um gravitas or like lasting impression on society like the original series and as much as like fans may have mm. loved um a lot of the other shows they've never made the they've never made the lasting impression i mean um maybe picard I... is like the one thing you know that yeah. people, enough people know sir patrick stewart Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, I was going to say, I but, agree and I disagree um, because I feel like more people could name characters from the original Star Trek. I, I completely agree with like, you've got Kirk, Spock, Nimoy, Uhura. Like, I, I get that, you know, people people would be like, right, I recognize that name, even if I have no idea quite what it's attached to other than just like, that's from Star Trek. Um, but I feel like just because like people wouldn't necessarily name you know, like Dr. Beverly Crusher or Worf or Data or Lore, you know, like just because they couldn't name supporting characters, they could only name Picard doesn't mean like the show itself didn't leave as much of a lasting impression mm -hmm. because I feel like it did in in that it like, again, spun off so many like different universes. I just think it maybe got a little muddied in people's minds over like which Star Trek am I watching? <laughs> because there were so many. And they did they did for a time look a great deal like each other. Mm -hmm. And they overlapped. And they overlapped, yeah. Mm -hmm. hmm. I think okay. that the original series is iconic in lots of ways in in retrospect. Like even though it wasn't mm. it wasn't hugely popular in the 60s and really only became popular later after it was syndicated. Right. But then looking back at that and seeing the influence of then this like syndicated show that had this racially diverse cast mm -hmm. that had I I 
I keep reading it. This is maybe not actually true that it was the first um, interracial kiss on television between. It, so I, I thought that, that was, was true. And then I read a story People once that say. it wasn't actually true, but. I think it is maybe even if it isn't like truly the first on television, it's the one that people think highly of visible. Being the first yeah. one, really visible and a very popular, you know, family program. Um, yep. so I think it's it's important for what it did for the time and this universe that it set up that that mm -hmm. could be a better version of who we are as human beings. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I kind of use that to bring. <clears throat> bring it to like what um what keeps what makes star trek special um from other science fiction content other television shows or whatever um what makes it what makes it different what makes it um great in your mind why you know why is it still a big thing they're still trying to make shows and video games and stuff off of it like what is it about star trek yeah, I'm I'm going to like let Emily take over on that one, but just because I think you said it so well in the show notes about the hopeful tone that it sets. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's there's a real like not like happy go lucky optimism like everything is swell and dandy because, you know, now we're out here in space, but there's mm -hmm. there's a real like this is futuristic technology that we're doing things with. We're excited. Mm -hmm. We're exploring. We're, you know, we're not out here to just like go fight some space battles um, or we're not, you know, out here like Blade Runner is very like this is the future, but it's very, very dark and dreary. And, you know, there's like this hugely pessimistic Everyone's angle. Like trash planets. Yeah. And yeah. Right. Like, which which is its own, like, beautiful aesthetic and, and mm -hmm. wonderful way to explore um, very interesting philosophical issues. But mm -hmm. I just think that Star Trek is different in this way in that it's, like, exciting. You're out there on the edge of space exploring, and this is great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would agree. It's the, it's the science of it. It's the exploration part of it. And it's also the the way they show how people have become better versions of ourselves and we can collaborate and we have gotten over through struggles throughout hundreds of years to a place now where people are, are better and take care of each other better and can truly explore the universe with like, without a um, colonial approach to mm -hmm. the, the universe of its resources or trying to conquer, like it, it puts it into the, just this, we want to learn. We want to explore. Mm -hmm. We want to just experience the universe. Um, and so I think it's unique from other sci-fi in that tone that it sets. Yeah. And uh, that's why I always think, like, um, that's that's what I hear, you know, uh, like, common sentiment around it is, like, that hopeful thing. And I think that really does stand out you know people will say that for a reason you know that makes a lot of sense um because especially not too far after when i suppose star trek started we got into this phase in the 70s of like very dour and mm -hmm. dark and pessimistic kind of things you know we we begin to explore more cyberpunk genre things even stuff like um you know when we eventually get to alien and everything 
you know, this not only is it horror, but you just like the tone visually of everything. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's always about destruction and stuff. And Mm -hmm. sometimes that's the thing that I feel is um, it's kind of lazy and plays off people's fears and stuff because when we look at the world, you know, when we look at just how things have gone, like consistently fewer and fewer people in poverty, people living longer, like, you know, it's like we've seen improvements. If you look at the dawn of man to now, um, things are better. So like, why Mm -hmm. can't we have a hopeful view of the future and that things will continue to improve? It makes a lot of sense. And um, it's fun to see. I think it's fun too, that they did place it so far in the future. Mm-hmm. A lot of other things kind of make the mistake of, you know, in the not too distant future kind of thing. And this is like, no, I don't know what it is. It's like 500 years in the future or something, yeah, right? 20, 24th century, I think is yep. when it's set. Mm-hmm. Yeah. De- yeah. Mm-hmm. Depending on the, on the show. Yeah. Depending on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's weird because yeah, like there's, there's something about setting something too near in the future um but there's Mm -hmm. but it's also like doesn't this seem possible because you know like when you look at like the technology development over the last like you know 100 years to 50 years to 10 to 20 to 10 years it's like there are these like crazy rapid things but then when that year hits and we haven't developed you know like hoverboards or whatever and (laughs) and you know you just look at it you're like oh somehow like this just like takes you right out of it um so yeah star trek does do a really great job of being like let's just set it so far in the future that like people who are watching this can never get to that point so we'll never know if we can or can't do these things (laughs) i think it's also interesting how much real science has come from Mm the star trek world and these and these you know ideas in the 60s of these computers that you would talk to and these devices Mm -hmm. that you would carry around with you that would transmit over long distances and then you know you get to holodecks which is essentially like 3d printers and vr right um and so i think that it's it's inspired also people in in real science fields then for to give Mm -hmm. a vision to the things that they're working on yeah yep I always, I always love that. I mean, I love hearing those stories too about kids that grew up watching Star Trek or Wars, and they were one of them. They wanted to be a pilot, you know, or they end up being mm-hmm. an astronaut, or mm-hmm. yeah, or they end up working on something. And you know, I'm sure there's people that were like working right. on the Apple Watch, and I'm like that's you know that were right. inspired by the things that they could do and oh, yeah. the yeah. sci-fi things that they, you know. I- I'm I sure read about that working one in the medical field with it. Okay. Yeah, there's there's tricorders, right, that are being mm-hmm. developed that are supposed to like and they're like that's what people are calling them is the tricorders so that you can scan people <laughs> with them. Um so I think they're absolutely and um I think you know the idea back in the 60s again of of the the uh, medical bed that could just scan your body and tell you what mm-hmm. was going on. Well, now we have MRIs and CT scans and ultrasounds. Like these things kind of then came into fruition. And I don't know if that's because somebody, you know, in the 60s was watching Star Trek and went, oh, that'd be a really good idea. But I think it's really, I think it's more influential sometimes than people think. You know, where the people that are, it it seeps into your mind, pop culture things. And um, 
and especially something like Star Trek that gives you things to strive for. Um, I think totally that's that's a possibility, you know, and it would be interesting to see a world where, you know, if you didn't have any of that stuff, what technology comes anyways, you know, but I think that some of it would look different, you know, for sure. And then you said you have some like fanciful, fanciful, like, um, you know, writer somewhere coming up with some cockamamie idea. And then the scientist or engineer later, like has something to base it on mm -hmm. person's creativity. Otherwise it becomes a completely different thing that they have to come up with themselves. And, you know, sometimes mm -hmm. they're not the creative ones. So you need that, mm -hmm. uh, creative, you know, visionary. I feel like this is such a, like a cool and funny argument for why the arts are important. You know, when people ask yeah. that about like, yeah. you know, to not, to not drag it to into the real world of like, when people say we should cut the arts in schools and, you know, why should we fund that kind of thing? And it's like, but isn't this like a really great example right here of like somebody dreaming up technology in an art form that now scientists are making real or, ha or have already or are currently making real? And like, yep. isn't this such like a wonderful beneficial thing that like, maybe wouldn't have happened, you know, if, if it weren't for something like Star Trek, you know, I don't know. It just, it kind of yeah. is, is a funny thing. I think it's, it's similar, just like seeing technology that you like would allow you to envision it becoming real. I think also Star Trek in its casting choices and the character mm -hmm. choices also allowed people to see right. possibilities for their life. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite things from Star Trek is actually um, um, Uhura, um, who Nichelle, Nichelle Nichols. Um, she ended up after, you know, in the 70s, working with NASA and was mm -hmm. a passionate advocate for getting black women into space. Yeah. And who would have listened to her or why would she have had any influence on anything if she hadn't been Uhura from Star Trek? Mm -hmm. And she did actually get black women into space. And she's credited with being a big reason that um, Mae Jemison like, got to be the first black woman in space. Mm -hmm. And so I think like just seeing those people and having this like vision of like, oh, like I actually could as a like a little girl in the 70s have seen a woman in these positions of power and thought I can do that. Like, yeah. Pop culture is influential. That's for sure. hundred mm -hmm. percent. Um, so favorite star Trek memories, mm -hmm. things about star Trek moments or whatever that you just, uh, um, that stand out to you. I, I I'll say one. I okay. I um went to they had the Star Trek experience in the Mall of America. Mm -hmm. And um and I mean, I don't know, it was an event and me not being a really big Star Trek person, but I went and that was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Um they tried to break down some of the science of it. They're like, "Okay, you know, how about um you know, teleportation? You know, beam me up. What is that? Is that possible?" And they'd break them down by if it seemed feasible or not. The quick answer is no um, on that one, <laughs> but uh, just For based now. on the sheer, the sheer like amount of energy required uh, mm -hmm. alone, like in, it, in order to do that. But um, it was fun. They went through all kinds of different, like as we're talking technologies, and then they had movie props and all that kind of thing. So that was that was a lot of fun. Yeah. 
Gosh, I'm trying to think of like a, a moment. A moment. Yeah, I guess I've never been to, you know, any of the conventions or any mm -hmm. of the bigger, um, bigger Star Trek things. I used to, um, my parents would go to a lot of um, antique stores and garage sales and stuff mm -hmm. like that when I was a kid. And it was right in the middle of my hardcore Star Trek days. And so mm -hmm. I would collect the fan fiction books and comic books and any little mm -hmm. like, Star Trek memorabilia stuff. Sure. So that was always really fun. And I got to read a lot of some okay and some great fan fiction. Nice. <laughs> I didn't know it got like published. Like it, they, oh, they yeah. published fan fiction. Huh. Well, so I don't know. It's all, you know, written. I don't know if, like, if, if it, it, it became canon, like it got the, you know, Star Trek label on it, right. but it was right. written by multiple different people. And um, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I don't know if it was really fan fiction or if it, what, what, where it originated from, but yep. there are, you know, thousands of books out there and blogs and short stories and whatnot. Right. Yep. Mm -hmm. I always love those things. And that to me is like, a uh, hallmark of something that um, is really better than it's the sum of its parts that it can inspire the creativity. You want to live in that world or something. Right. You want to invent something off of it. Like D and D is that thing for me. You know, Star Wars used to be that thing for me. Those the things that you just like. Yeah, it makes you want to write and tell more stories in that world. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. I have a piece of show and tell. Ooh, um, what have you got? So um, I'm like an old, uh, you know, stereotypical old lady or something, I guess. And I have a, uh, I do collect some stamps. <gasps> nice. Um, so I have Star Trek stamps. That's yeah. cool. So um, the final frontier. Oh, yeah, um, they're pretty. They're pretty awesome. I I go through them slowly. I basically stagger my stamps so i don't use them all up too much so like i'll have one sheet of these but then my next sheet will be harry potter ones nice. and then you know so it goes you know so i'm not just like flying through all the star trek ones you know i want to make sure they they last um but yeah it's pretty cool and there's a whole big thing on the back kind of talking about the history of star trek a little bit and stuff so where did you get those the post office where you get oh, okay. stamps. Well, you know, sometimes you have to like send away for like, you know, different like TV shows or collector edition or, you know, whatever oh, kinds of stamps. You okay. know what I mean? They don't have like Star Trek at every post office. So are you? Sh well, see, I mean, they have their run, you know. Of, yeah. And so I like mm -hmm. I miss a lot. You know, I should go in once in a while a little more, I guess, or check their website or something. It's usually me showing up with something and, oh, what do you have for stamps now? And like, I have some dinosaur ones that are really cool right now or whatever. Hologram and, ones. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Those are cool. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yep. Me and my stamp collecting. Mm -hmm. Um. What do you guys think of this state of Star Trek now? Like, is there any upcoming projects or currently running things or whatever that um, that you're looking forward to or into right now? Or um, is what's our state of the union? Is it uh, is it healthy or? So family? I do. I do. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to I'm going to like interject just in the like 
watching the live stream that's happening on Paramount mm. Plus, um, they did just like officially announce two upcoming projects, uh, Star Trek Prodigy and Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, and they they like didn't really give a whole bunch. They did a trailer for Prodigy. Um, they didn't for Strange New Worlds, just showed us images of the cast um, and who is all officially going to be included. So those are officially coming as like the newest additions um, to Star Trek along with uh, Discovery. And I think Lower Decks are the only other projects mm-hmm. that are out right now. I think so. Yeah. I don't think they were planning to do more Picard. That seemed like a one, a yeah. one-off. Yeah, they've, they've okay. been like, yeah, they've been really cagey about like if that's ever going to like be a thing. So it makes me think no. Yeah, I feel like they would have really hyped it up had it been the plan. I agree. Yeah. So it's like healthy in the way of like there's a lot out there right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, it's hard, hard to tell, obviously, for Prodigy and Strange New Worlds if they're going to be good. Um, can always yep. hope. But yeah. It's healthy in terms of like the number of things that are happening. Mm-hmm. I at least appreciated in Picard and Discovery. I felt like yeah, things have been visually beautiful and the yeah. acting has been fantastic. Like I feel like they are they're not pulling their punches on production value for anything. Okay, mm-hmm. the money's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what of what of those new things have you all seen? Like you've seen basically all of it or pieces or i have uh, not seen below decks at all so that's yeah yeah i don't know anything about it and i think it's a cartoon it um, is a cartoon yeah. and it's yeah. like a it's like a parody kind yeah. of you know little satire of mm-hmm. not in, not in the way that i think like orville can be a little sat satire mm-hmm. um but yeah it's it's like a true like let's make fun of star trek a little bit mm-hmm Okay. I, have, um, I haven't really seen a whole bunch of it other than trailers. I I have seen Discovery up and up through. The, mm-hmm. I haven't seen the third season yet, so I need to do that because they're going to launch the fourth season in like two months. So I gotta oh. gotta catch up. It's going fast. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what? I mean, if there's some Star Trek content, you know, I wanna I wanna jump in. Should I be jumping in to Discovery? Is that what I should be doing if I wanna? get involved or on these new shows like promising or you <laughs> might i was I go director alan just says tng yeah 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 i feel like tng is like it's the show but i also feel like maybe it would be better to watch discovery without knowing the rest of the universe i don't know yeah that's so tough mm-hmm because Discovery takes place much earlier, right? And later. Oh, yeah. I know. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's some timey-wimey things. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, and because of that, I feel like it's a little bit of a, a bubble. Like it, it, They're trying to do with it what they did with the reboot, which is to kind of create a show that can exist in canon, but not be strictly tied to the historical precedent right of of the rest of the series and so they Mm -hmm. they purposely pulled discovery kind of away from the normal timeline to be able to do other things Mm -hmm. with it Mm. so they sort of abrams it 
themselves. Yeah, they kind of did. Which I think means that you don't necessarily have to have seen the rest of the Star Trek. Right. There's less pressure. Yeah. You could. Are you you both comfortable with the way that they they're doing that? The you know, so both Abrams and then Discovery, like, sort of. It's kind of reminds me of Marvel taking the multiverse approach, where it could be done well and to make it fun, or it could be, Mm -hmm. it could get messy and used to, like do random things or to retcon things or yeah. you know so is it kind of it kind of is it kind of lazy like well we don't really want to have to play by the rules of pre-established so let's do this and now we can do where we want that's actually my concern for strange new worlds um because it's it's now going back again um and i believe it's gonna be set in like the captain pike years which like are which like even though that pilot was like never aired um for star trek it was like it was like an established like pike was the commander um on the enterprise before kirk and like that's accepted like that's a thing and so now strange new worlds is going back and it's like can we say can we stop going back and like somebody choose to go forward you know what i mean like there's there's mm-hmm. only so much that like you feel like can be set before without, you know, having consequences for things like next gen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would like to see them do more after, I guess, the most after Voyager and after Discovery, because um, Voyager and Deep Space Nine, because I think those are the most forward in the timeline. Mm-hmm. And so it would be nice to see more of that. Like yep. every, you're right, everything since then has gone back. And to me, that, again, calls to the, like, fear that, you know, the cultural uh, touchstones are all these classic things that have been done before. So, namely, OG Star Trek and Picard. And mm-hmm. then, um, mm-hmm. like, nothing since has really, like, captured everyone. So what do we do? Well, we're going to keep milk and those other things. Right. As opposed to like someone having to really write the next thing. I mean, we ran into this with Star Wars, too. Like mm-hmm. instead of like ha- taking the opportunity to leave the Skywalkers behind or something, we had to use them again. We had to right. like go there and it was, you know, half half assed or whatever. But, it, you know, like it's. um Move on, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you if you're telling compelling, amazing stories with uh, with great characters um, done well and written um, written deftly, then mm-hmm. people will will be excited, right? And i I don't want it to gloss over Prodigy because I don't know where that is set, and that may be in the future. Um, and maybe somebody's taking a risk there, but it, it, but it almost feels like they feel safer to take a risk because the show is animated. Um, so maybe they're, they're not feeling oh, like Prodigy's it, animated. Prodigy is animated. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so I don't know if there's some sort of like freeing element there. If it, if it is set in the future, I, I saw the trailer, right. but I had the sound muted. So I didn't know like where it kind of falls in the, there's, one fan site that says it takes place basically the same time period as Voyager. 
Oh, right okay. after the end of Voyager. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. So that's moving something forward s- a little bit. I have to say that the um um the I don't know what to think of the concept art. It definitely looks oh, right. a, yeah. a little, kind of unique, you know. Yeah. It looks different. It's not animated not in the sure. way that like Lower Decks is animated. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, definitely different styles. I was just looking mm-hmm. at the picture here and um I don't know. Okay. Well, that's something. But yeah, lots of irons and lots of in lots of fires. So mm-hmm. there's lots of choices out there. Just got to see what's what's yeah, going to be the really what's the next big hit. Yeah, I feel like uh Paramount Plus has a lot of eggs in this basket in the Star Trek basket right now. Mm-hmm. And I think they're really trying to find ways to make Star Trek work. Um I mean, I'm really bothered that we that Paramount is making us pay for everything. Yes, I agree. I agree. Mm, but I think that's their that's their like draw of like come pay for our subscription service, and they're putting yeah. like I said, putting a lot of eggs in that basket to draw people mm-hmm. for that. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, I I always argue that like network television is like a dying thing. <clears throat> You know, do you do you agree with that, Emily? Or you think like there's a lot of life left in that? Is it a viable uh, way to consume stuff going forward? I don't think so. I don't like I and maybe I'm, you know, old enough that I don't know. But I don't know anybody who watches network television like I stream everything. And I feel like that's the way the way it's going. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I don't like that there is a million services you know and everybody's trying to make their own thing mm-hmm. um but yeah mm-hmm. paramount plus they've got to do something to get people like they've got to have something compelling and if they see disney over there they have star wars and marvel oh my god you know what can we do over here paramount right. they had uh you know what um star trek and reruns of the office is it the office they have no, Peacock has the office. Yeah. Oh my God, I forgot yeah. about Peacock. <laughs> right? There's so many services you forgot about them. I mean, yeah. it seems essentially like the services are becoming the network TV, except for rather right. than the ads, we're just paying for each station. Yeah. Right. That's and and that's kind of the fear and is we're, we're going to end up paying ten dollars a oh, month for ads. all these channels, and by the time you get them all, it's like. I mean, you could have just had cable for like 300 channels for less or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you have to deal with ads. But I pay like $78 a month for Hulu and I still have ads. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep, you do. So. <laughs> yeah, oh, somehow somewhere we got we got Jedi mind tricked into basically paying for network television with ads. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Fun times. It's <laughs> yeah. the bright future that Star Trek promised. <laughs> It's okay. They don't really watch much TV in Star Trek. Yeah. All right. We're running out of time. What mm-hmm. um, is there anything else, a stone that's not been turned over here uh, that you must get in on the 55th anniversary of Star Trek? What do you think? I don't know. I do feel a little bad that we, we didn't just love the original but 
I feel yeah. like that. I, I mean, that's it. me. From what I've seen, I like the original a lot. And I, I, I'm not saying I dislike the original. It's just not like, to me, like ultimate Star Trek is next gen. That's yeah. just, that's just like the epitome. It's, it's like where, you know, like the Star Trek heartbeat is, is next gen. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Star Trek, like OG Star Trek was instrumental in like, obviously making that happen. And it's like, you know, kind of revived success, paved the way for next gen to happen. Um, and I think it was something that was really ahead of its time mm-hmm. in terms of like, like not only diverse casting, different storylines, like, you know, what do we imagine the future to be like technology wise? Um, but I think it was a risk to to even put a show about space travel on television at that time. Like it is it is a very like what we think of as like nerdy now. I don't know if they had, you know, like that descriptor at the time, but it was it was a, it was definitely not like your normal network television show and I appreciate the risk that people took in putting it on and making it as iconic as it's now become today. It's just it's just not like to me like the beating heart of Star Trek like I said. Mm-hmm. The beating heart of Star Trek is the Orville. Yeah. As, uh, Emily had mentioned earlier. I think that's one of the most true Star Trek things there there is. And it's not it is. it's yeah. you know obviously not official but it's it's too bad because it clearly comes from the mind of a person that loves the original yeah. show um but that they'd never give the job to to do yeah. it, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's handled with uh, such a a brilliant balance of um, of comedy and seriousness. Like they they tackle real like um, you know Twilight Zone sort of um, fundamental questions at the same you know and like flipping the story you know rolls on their head or whatever like putting you in different people's shoes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, being silly, which kind of works because if you go back and watch the original Star Trek today, a lot of it is silly because of the mm-hmm. because of the technology and whatever. So it's it's sort of really, really feels like that. And I think that it's um, it's underappreciated and it's too bad that they didn't just bring in mm-hmm. um, uh, McFarlane. Seth McFarlane, yeah. To uh, to just do a show. Mm-hmm. I would just love to see more Orville. Like I've been, I've mm-hmm. been sad that there have been more seasons of it. So I hope, mm-hmm. I hope there will be. But. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. We're cutting it close on our predetermined <laughs> time limit. Um, always lots to talk about Emily for your first show. Thank you so much for joining Ooh. in. Hopefully we'll have you back many times. You'd mentioned, uh, You'd mentioned liking Batman, you know, Doom Patrol. Um, we've talked D and D. There's all yeah. kinds of things that we can we can talk about going forward into the future. So yeah, well, thanks, thanks for, for having me. This was, this was great. Awesome. Yeah. Um, this has been Popcast on the Rocks, episode seventy four. Please like, share, follow all those things everywhere: Twitter, Facebook, whatever um youtube like us there leave some comments 
all that jazz. We'll, we'll, we'll read them. We'll respond. That's cool. Share with your friends. Find us on your favorite podcast. Reviewing us there um, makes a big difference in people getting exposed to our content. So thank you very much. Also, thank you to Killing the Flower for our theme song. You can check them out on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. Um, and that's about it. That'll do it for this week's show. Um, thanks once again. And, and Andrea, thanks for, uh, thanks for joining me once more. As always, cheers, everybody. Live long and prosper. Live long and prosper.